Tim, Season 4, Episode 15, Stats of Matter, the coaching carousel in the sky keeps on turning. That's another reference the hashtag Utes won't get. Uh, we got NFL Conference Championship preview in our cups this week. It's a hot toddy. <laughs> and a barrel-aged Maple Imperial Porter from Portland, Maine. Shout out, Pistol Brothers. Follow us on Instagram at Stats No Matter and Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things whiskey, beer, sports, and bots, apparently, because that's all that is uh, following us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, find Stats No Matter wherever you're podcast. Google, Spotify, Apple, and Stitcher. Tim, let's get into the motherfucking show. Let's go. Uh, <coughs> I was yeah, in man. Kansas City recently. Mm-hmm. The mania is legitimate, dude. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's all kinds of talk about whether the relationship is or not, but it's very clear that uh, Kansas City has embraced the Taylor Kelseyism, whatever you want to call it, uh, Swellsey. Look at this. Look at this cup right here. Look at this cup. Look at this coffee cup I got from the hotel gift shop. This is crazy. I brought this home. Chelsea's not expecting it. I think it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, she goes to all these football games now. It's great for the NFL. They must be getting so many new fans, you know? But, uh, man, Kansas City, negative 20 when I landed. Cold as ice, dude. It was, takes dude, your breath away. I I'm, couldn't I'm imagine playing sure. a game in that shit. I'm pretty sure if we listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, you weren't exactly all about this swift mania, and now you are all over it. That's I quite gotta, the uh, about face, support sir. Some way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, all right, I'll get hope. mine out of the way real quick. I'm uh, I'm having a nice quick green tea because, uh, as Sam has said, I'm making a case as to why you should never have kids. Uh, <laughs> Edit that part. Fuck out. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm just saying with the rest of the time so you're sick and your your case for not going to daycare you're, because you're you not wrong for daycare the kid's not in daycare you're still getting yeah. sick and you're providing daycare yeah 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 so hear this out I had to I paid you pay a month ahead of time you bring the kid in dropped her off uh, she was there for a total of four days before she got sick uh, I don't know if I told this the last time we recorded but uh, we got a, a an illness alert on the way in that a kid had pink eye the Friday before. So, obviously, someone else in the classroom is probably going to have it. Uh, but as I sit my daughter down, I look at the table where everybody is eating. And uh, sure enough, one of the kids has a uh, faucet for a nose just streaming down her face. I'm like, oh, cool. That'll be at our house soon. Uh, yeah, it took four days. Uh, she went out. She was sick, miserable when I picked her up. Uh, she has had a fever ever since, and we are going on uh, week two. She actually turns a year old tomorrow, so uh, Emma, if you hear this at some point in the future, wow. uh, happy birthday. I love you. Uh, but yeah, dude, she has been sick the whole time, and I did well to avoid it uh, all this time. My son got it. He got a little banged out for a couple of days. We kept him home. He missed four days of school. My wife worked, missed a couple of days of work to stay home. Uh, I get, I went back to from paternity leave last week, uh, worked two days in the office, and I've been remote ever since. Uh, and then Saturday, I had the great idea to go join a buddy of mine at a uh, gun range. Shout mm-hmm. out to the East Granby Gun Club, which is, no, sorry, it's the Hartford Gun Club in East Granby. The Granby Gun Club is in Massachusetts. It's bizarre. Uh, but anyway, it was 14 degrees out, and like a bunch of idiots, we stayed out there for uh, 
way too long. Three and a half hours. The first action range, we were doing some some pistol drills and, and that kind of stuff. wasn't too bad because we had a building on the side of us. We had a big wall that separated us from the range next to us. So it kind of siloed us in. And, you know, we're all from New England, so we all had proper winter attire. However, when we moved down to the rifle range, it was just completely open air uh, and windy and fucking brutal. Brutal, brutal. We had, I just left my car running the entire hour we were there so we could take turns hopping into like heated seats and warming up. Uh, and then sure enough, I know they say being cold doesn't, can't make you sick, but, uh, it's awfully coincidental that by nine o'clock that night, I had a fever and it's yeah. been that way ever since. So, well, I mean, yeah, as you can hear in my voice, I smell, uh, I mean, I, I probably do smell like shit, but I sound like shit. Uh, so I'm having a uh, a little green tea with some honey and uh, some Four Roses Barrel Strength to see if I can't uh, soften up this chest pain and put myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lesson to be learned there that you gotta you gotta get out the you gotta get the the real super nice stuff when you go outside and you shoot, especially in in January. I don't know what the fuck you were thinking. It's probably 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 because uh, Connecticut just got so much weird weather, anyways. But uh, uh, I got the, the, OG. the quote exactly. The quote exactly when I said, "Hey, is this inside or outside?" was met with first a smile, and then an LOL, and then a "We practice how we fight." I was like, oh, all right. I look forward. I look forward to drafting you first when the fucking Russians come over the hill, just like in. Hey, in I'm uh, <laughs> your boy with that gun timer and accuracy was uh, wasn't wasn't terrible. Wasn't terrible. Real life is not. War zone, okay? It doesn't work that way. Oh my god, this is war zone. I'd be, I'd be leading the pack. Uh, oh, no, it was, it was pretty Here good. Here we go. Here we, we did, go. Uh, and then this, this podcast going to divulge into almost enlisted, but uh, we can't. No, we can't be no, doing no, that. No. This is a sports I, podcast. Yeah, sports no, no, podcast. Didn't, 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 didn't. Uh, a lot of fun though. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sick. No, but. it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I got the twenty twenty three Angels of Filthy Souls, the regular. The base variant, if you will. Just the barrel aged maple porter, the OG. Very good. Don't need to talk about it too much. I have it every single year. It's incredible this year. No surprise. Just as good. Um love me some barrel aged maple porters. <clears throat> um we have had snow on the ground for more than a couple of days. Thoughts and prayers yeah. are accepted. Um we actually had a snow day the other day as I was flying to Kansas City. Uh shit was wild. I'm so upset. Because I looked in my on this day in Facebook history and I found that four years ago, five years ago, uh, same thing happened: negative fourteen and snow. So apparently, every five years, I gotta take a vacation, get the fuck out of here. Because around this time in January, we get smack with snow, and I'm just I'm not a mm. fan. I literally played golf like last weekend, uh, yeah. and now there's snow on the ground. I've had to shovel the driveway fucking twice, insult it twice. I live in Virginia, Tim. This is bullshit. I don't need to be dealing with it. So. You know, the only good thing has been sports. Can we agree? Can we agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've we've been we've been like twenty and below for the last week, and now we're going to be flirting with the fifties. It makes yep. no sense up here, yep. but we got some. We got some out here. I can't yeah. wait for it. Um, <laughs> greens are going to be shit for a couple of weeks, but that's okay. That's okay. I got one of those. Uh, you know the things that quarterbacks use to put their hands in and keep them warm. Like yes, around their waist. Yes. I got one yes, of those things for the fucking golf course. I ain't used it yet because it's either fucking biting cold or. Warm enough to not need it, so or snow. This is bullshit. All right, uh, wild card weekend picks. We split uh, pretty much. We both want the Browns. They lost. 
We went Chiefs-Dolphins. You lost. We went Bills. We both won. Uh, we went Eagles-Bucks. You chose Bucks. You won there. We both chose the Lions. And then uh, we both chose the Cowboys. So final was two. Your boy got three. We head into the divisional weekend, uh, which was pretty crazy. I think there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk about it already. I think there's a lot more we could sort of mix in with it while we're previewing the conference championship. So let's get to that. Okay. Conference championship. They say it's the best day of football you're going to see all year for a right to, to play in the Super Bowl. And I can't mm-hmm. disagree with them. If I think back to some of the most incredible conference championship games of the recent era, of course, Seattle's uh, OT thriller against the Packers in uh, 14 comes to mind. Uh, you could think of the overtime uh, between the Broncos and the Patriots, the year that uh, Peyton Manning uh, won his second Super Bowl with the Broncos, and it took like a failed two-point conversion uh, from you know Gr- Brady to Gronk in the end zone. Uh, at mile high, you could think about the absolute thumping that the Carolina Panthers put on, I believe, the Arizona Cardinals that year. Um, there's just a lot, a lot of great football that happens here. The first game we got up on the docket here, Ravens Chiefs, and it's in Baltimore. Mm. There's been Mm. a lot of talk about how, what is Lamar? Is he a quarterback? Is he quarterbacky enough? A lot of thinly veiled dog whistles and, and, and definite racist stakes all over the place, but you can't deny that the guy has played football out of his fucking mind. And in the division round, threw two touchdowns, rushed for another one or two in complete control of the game. Uh, Baltimore looks to be the most complete version of the team that I think that they've fielded since the time I've been watching football, which is at least the last like 15 or 16 years. It's pretty crazy. Um, and they're facing a Kansas City Chiefs team that's now on the road. They have won their first playoff game on the road. You know, a little bit of controversy uh, against the Buffalo Bills, but this is going to be an electric game. You have a team that desperately wants to prove itself in the Ravens that, hey, we're just not you know, going to perennially lose in the first round of the playoffs like this is our year. And then you have the Chiefs who don't look like the Chiefs that we've seen all season. They got in the postseason and they're a completely different animal. Tim, mm. take me through what, what do you think about this game and who do you think is ultimately going to be the victor? Uh, <clears throat> so it's, it's interesting. There's been a lot of talk about Brock Purdy and, and, and how he doesn't. I mean, I heard Ryan Clark today go off on a tangent about the most difficult thing for him to do all season was talk about Brock Purdy uh, being in the same conversation with some of these other guys. And he went down and broke down his team and how the tools he has and those guys have always been there and whatnot. Somehow, Patrick Mahomes seems to be getting a pass and including all these conversations, even though they have had a brutal year this year. They're 15th in the league in scoring. Yeah, the other three teams that are in this division uh, that are in this uh, playoff weekend uh, are third, fourth, and fifth in the league. So Mahomes got his start with a bunch of studs that were there. He had Hill. I mean, he had guys and weapons all over the place uh, that have since moved on, and now he's kind of struggling a little bit. But we give him a pass because he's winning football games. Um, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. There's a little controversy with some of the. Some of the calls that uh, went to Chiefs' way, obviously there was a missed field goal at the end, uh, which would have tied it. Um, so it wasn't exactly like a, 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 a marquee victory for the Chiefs by any stretch of the imagination. They're a team that seems to be 
stumbling a little bit in moments where before you would never bet against them. Uh, I agree. I think Lamar and the uh, and the Ravens are poised and better looking now than they have been in the last few years. Uh, they're fourth in the league in uh, points scored, but their defense has been super stout. They're first in the league in terms of points against. So, <clears throat> I mean, the Chiefs have been super stingy. They're second in the league in points allowed per game. So it is a pretty close matchup. But I think while Mahomes can move and extend drives, I think this is going to come down to some Lamar Jackson magic. And I think we're going to see maybe a big day out of Trey Flowers if Lamar can get himself going. So, in my opinion, I think this Day one's going to go to... Uh, Day Flowers, sorry. Because Trey Flowers <laughs> was a New England Patriot. Yeah, sorry. I was trying to <laughs> hold a coffin. Um... I think it's going to be Baltimore going into this game unless Kansas City can play at their peak. I just don't think they have enough weapons anymore to keep up with an elite team. Now, do I think we'll get to it? We'll get to it next week. But <clears throat> do I think Baltimore is going to ultimately win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. But I do think they're going to squeak a win by uh, Kansas City because Kansas City's got too many flaws. They're relying a little bit too much on. Mahomes and keeping plays alive. Uh, Travis Kelsey has still been somewhat of a an elusive figure in terms of offensive output every single week. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. Some of it's the defense that's matched up against. Some of it's the the scheme that they're running with. But um, you know, as you mentioned in, in a lot of those uh, nail biters, a lot of those came down to superstars stepping up, and this has to be a big game from from Kelsey. And if it's not, I mean, on paper, Baltimore is a significantly better team in almost every single category uh, as you walk down the entire list. The only thing that Kansas City does at a at a better rate is passing yards per game and yep. defensive six. passing yards against their fourth. So, still close. I mean, they're fourth and six, respectively, in defensive passing yards allowed per game. Uh, but then everything else, they, they tail behind. So... Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. I mean, the takeaway differential heavily leans towards Baltimore, and every now and again, Mahomes can kind of get himself into some sticky situations where ball security can start to come into question. We already saw some games earlier this week where he gave uh, earlier this season where he gave up some some head scratching interceptions. This is going to be a game where we're probably going to see one or two of those, um, and it's going to be how well. Baltimore's run game can take advantage of these. I think they established the run game early. They get Lamar going, and then the second half, then you start exposing some of the maybe the middle infield or, or taking some deep shots once uh, once they start trying to stop the run. So I'm going Baltimore in this one. Uh, I mean, if we're if we're believing the conspiracy theory with the logos, we already know who the outcome is going to be. Uh, but no, I'm going Baltimore here. I, I don't think that's that's necessarily a bad pick. I think one thing that the Chiefs have done as of late, that I think people are not giving them enough credit for, is a defense coming around. The defense was not great. It, it was almost like sort of <laughs> New Orleans Saints-esque. Yeah. Um, because they, they allowed a lot of terrible teams to score points on them. Um, when they went to New England, they, they dropped 27, but they allowed New England to score 17 on them. Um, in a narrow loss against the Raiders, 20 to 14. Against Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, allowed 17 points. In a super narrow win against the Chargers, 
just after New Year's, you win by one point. Now I get that it's like week 18, you know, on the horizon, people aren't really going to pay much attention, but like the only postseason performance that I've seen out of them that I'm like, oh, wow, their, their defense is really good uh, was against Miami. And it was in the cold weather. So they go to Buffalo. You're like, all right, cool. Let's, let's see what happens here. Um, it's going to be nicer weather <laughs> uh, than in Buffalo. But there is a, a troubling trend here. And when they lose, they can give up anywhere from at least 14 to sometimes 20 or more points. Um, and then when they win, they win lopsided, right? There's a, there was that early season game, if we even remember it, when Taylor and, and uh, Travis were first rumored to be together and all that stuff, right? Where they barely beat the Sam Darnold Jets 23 to 20 on Monday Night Football, okay? Um, so the Chiefs are the biggest of wild cards in this game, and I can't pick against them. They have, I, I understand Mahomes is not the MVP this year. It's clearing away. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have so much talent now and everything seems to be coming together. And there's a lot of talk about some of their coordinators like getting head coaching jobs somewhere else. I think there's a lot of folks waiting for those cards to fall. So if I'm the Ravens, dude, like you you gotta come up with new game plans. You gotta put something on film that no one's ever seen before. You gotta you gotta pretty much you get a chance to to host for the first time in a long time. But you gotta make the best out of it. But if they were facing, let's say, I don't know, the the Patriots of old, I I might still be a, a toss-up on it. There is something that makes me wonder, for a lot of these teams that have magic, and they ride these five or six-game winning streaks, they run out of magic at the most inopportune times. See also the Bills. Um, and I just wonder if if I'm thinking too wrong that like the Ravens might run out of magic in this game, and they might lose some, they might lose some, you know, 24-21 kind of thing. Or maybe this is the game where the Ravens finally put a stamp on it and say, like, put some fucking respect on our name. Like, this is who we are. And I would love to see that. Baltimore needs that. They deserve it. Um, I just, I can't pick against the Chiefs because they do not look like the team that we have seen literally all season. They're much different now. And I, I can't pick against it. You're on mute. <laughs> they, uh, they, I mean, they've lost to uh, you know some pretty scrubby teams. They lost to uh, the Raiders in Week 16. Yep. They lost to a struggling Packers team in Week 13. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Broncos, and they lost to the Lions earlier in the season. So I mean, yep. it's part of that was was the uh, <laughs> was the Russell Wilson revival tour in the beginning, and then they ran out of magic and they fell off. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just. Uh, I'm not. I mean, it's a tough one for me because I'm. I'm not necessarily as big on Lamar Jackson as everybody else. I don't. For whatever reason, everyone has jumped on board with him being like the far and away uh, MVP. But I, I. I don't understand why we continue to discredit. Uh, Brock Purdy for what he's done with that team. Even though he's had some talent, he's gotten three of those guys up over a thousand yards this season, mm-hmm. and that has to do with smart decision making, ball security, understanding what's being presented to you defensively, and executing. Those are like four primary things that a quarterback needs to do to be successful, regardless of who's on the other side of the or who's who's receiving the ball or who's handing it off to. Um, but like. Everyone looks at him and says, oh, he's got all these weapons. This is why. And then we completely discredit uh, 
or, or, or we discount all these other teams who also have weapons, which is why they're in these positions, who are also doing well. Like, oh, no, 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 it's the quarterback in those scenarios. But because Brock is only uh, in his second year, it's, it has to be the weapons. So I'm not totally sold on it being Lamar's year and Lamar taking them to the promised land. I This is my pick more against the Chiefs than it is for the Ravens. I just think the Ravens are going to have a more succinct game than I think the the Chiefs are going to. I mean, it's, it's definitely very possible. Some, something yeah. to pay attention to about the Ravens this year. Four-game winning streak, loss. Six-game winning streak, loss. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Like, everyone remembers, like, how they completely demolished uh, Miami on New Year's Eve, and they completely throttled the San Francisco 49ers, who is the conspiracy theory pick to meet them in the Super Bowl, 33-19. to 19. But just like the Chiefs, there have been some games where it's either a complete blowout, like against Seattle, 37-3, to 3, against Detroit, 38-6, to 6, or you allow Arizona to score 24 points. You split the season with the Cleveland Browns, and one of those games is at the hands of Joe Flacco. You allow the Joe Burrow-less Bengals to put 20 on you. Like, they lost a close yeah. game. Indianapolis, 22 to 19. They barely won week one against Cincy by three points. Like you could take all this like with a grain of salt. The Ravens do look vulnerable. And I I think for me, if I was an MVP voter, why I would give it to Lamar is because he has guys like Nelson Aguilar, Zay Flowers, a, a receiver from BU. Like, what? No, we, we like no. You don't hear of guys like that. They have Odell Beckham on his redemption tour. Like the big thing that's a lot of people are probably missing is that the defense is super retooled and their coordinator is excellent, but the offense has been completely changed underneath Todd Munkin, um, who, who took the Georgia Bulldogs to back to back national titles. So clearly, he came in there like, all right, we're gonna do something different. I'm gonna let Lamar do his thing, but we're gonna throw because that's that's your biggest criticism. And he has made those receivers. I wouldn't say like. I wasn't drafting them in fantasy, but I could count more weeks than not where one of them was blown up and I was losing because of it. So I I struggle with the Purdy talk because, and I was thinking about this because I was I was talking. We, we can we can move into the the, the mm-hmm. Niners uh, Lions game. I was talking to a friend about this earlier today. I said, you know, he, the dude literally has a fantasy football team for a roster. He has incredible defense. He has the top running back in the league. He has three wide receivers that. Uh, no one seems to respect, and they just keep getting open all the time. He has a otherworldly tight end that likes to chip WWE out in the field and can still, you know, go off time to time. He has a savant and a head coach who can, you know, p- pull all kinds of plays together. It's not easy for Purdy to do any of those things consistently at a high level in the league. I have to give him credit for that. There's always a drawback though, because I'm th- I'm thinking of another team. Where there was an otherworldly defense, a, a brash all-star running back, wide receivers that no one respected, and a quarterback that was not really given his due. And that was the 2014-2015 Seattle Seahawks. Okay, And before Russ completely lost all of his humility, th- these teams looked very, very similar. Punish I thought you were going to say the, yeah. Run the balls. Pause. <laughs> run the okay. ball. And, you know, I mean, there, there were going to be choice play-action shots. Purdy did put together the drive when he needed to do it. But for the majority of that game, they were on the ropes. And there have been times this season where I feel like Purdy has completely disappeared. Um, 
and it's been it's been more than the guy I think should get the MVP nod because if you look at the common opponent and the game that they played, Ravens Niners, they thumped them. And there is now this narrative that like Purdy can't play in the rain. Okay, I, I don't really watch enough you know 49ers games to make heads or tails of it, but there is just so much about the Niners that makes me feel that like, oh, they were just a quarterback away from beating the the Eagles. Okay. Well, you lost some games this year that you shouldn't have lost at all. And I just, there's something about it that feels like they're going to come up wicked flat, um, that they can't handle those like really close, like one score games. And I think the Lions, besides just being a feel good story, like you can look at Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, Zero to hero, completely get it. Give the guy his due. He he's flowers. But MVP talk, come on, dude. Like he 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 played a few games last season. He's played this season and he stayed healthy. Like let's not like put the cart before the horse here and anoint the guy. Like he has a lot going for him, in my opinion. I'm just trying to look at some comparisons between uh, <coughs> the him and like Lamar as. Who we would consider probably the front runner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about, and it's the last thing I'll say on the the Ravens Chiefs game. There are eleven games the Chiefs have won this year or lost that were decided by a field goal. Or, I mean, by a uh, touchdown or less. So mm-hmm. majority of their games, regardless of who their opponents were, and we're talking like the Jets, the Broncos, like teams that shouldn't have had any. The Bills. The Bills. Well, no, the Bills, I'll give them credit for because the Bills is a good team. But I'm talking about teams that had no business being in the same realm of of scoring with the Chiefs, came in and put up competitive games. And many of them were decided by like four points or less. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of issues there uh, kind of floating around. But I'm just trying to see Lamar Jackson, his average yards per game, 229 passing yards per game to Brock Purdy's 267. Passer rating, 113 over 102. Quarterback rating, uh, Lamar has 64.6. Brock Purdy is 72.8. Sacks, Lamar has actually taken 37 sacks to Brock Purdy's 28. I mean, it's like as you look your way, as you look down the list, I mean, it's, it's tough for me to take and award a guy uh, who is a uh, de facto running back on a team that just happens to be able to throw it's a, more credit by, by, than a guy who's able to go out and play at a consistently high level, like in a system. In a system, how many? There's years another did, guy. There's another guy we call the system quarterback for twenty years. I'm glad let's you not, said it, right? Because how many times did he win because, MVP? Right. Like, what's that? How many times did he win MVP? You know what I mean? And he that, he had an otherworldly cast in, in I don't know, 2008 too, right? You know? Well, sure. You can pick one or two seasons where he had superstars, but one of the things we commonly talked about is how you would put a ball boy out there and throw it to him. And then everyone's like, True. oh, it's the Bill Belichick system. Well, he went on to Tampa and did the same thing with a tired Mike Evans, uh, a, a, like over-the-hill running back. So, I mean, it's... Am I saying he's Tom Brady? No, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. But what I'm saying is we, you keep, we not just you and me in general, but the public in general keeps discrediting a guy because he's got talent around him. And what are we supposed to do? Like, okay, let's not give him any credit until what? He goes to a team that has no weapons and then succeeds? Exactly, exactly. 
But yeah, if, if you really want to be the rags to riches story, you can be the last pick in the draft, go to a team that's absolute garbage, um, and then you bring them up to the to the to the heavens. And I'm, but I'm what, playing with the MVP. But the, what the, team did Mahomes ever play on where he that that team would be considered garbage? I think that's the problem with the MVP voting is that you know we we all get too attached to what we see like midway three quarters of the way through the season and we, and we make up our minds. No, which, but I mean his, historically, a guy like Purdy a disservice because he comes on at the end of the season. Yeah, well. Someone like Patrick Mahomes, uh, who came into an organization that had a phenomenal coach and a phenomenal team built around him. Why does he get a pass? And let's not, like Josh Allen, let's not pretend that he doesn't have weapons on his team. He's got Cook. He's got Stephon Diggs, who's arguably does one he of the Diggs best. Because he didn't seem to have Diggs the other night. Not the <laughs> other night, but Diggs is arguably one of the best receivers in the entire league. So it's like... I don't know. It feels so ticky tacky that we're like, no, 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 no. It's a system and it's the team. All of these teams that are in the the weekend all have superstars on their team. Every single one yes. of them. Mahomes has had superstars though. the entire time. He had the fastest guy in the entire league and Tyree Kill for a couple of years to play. Like it's it just there's, feels there's so disingenuous. Between the two of them that I think we're not paying attention to here. Okay. Look at the running backs for uh the Ravens, okay? And let me know if the if the lot of them have got as many rushing yards as Christian McCaffrey does, because he has fourteen hundred rushing yards by himself, and then five hundred and sixty four receiving yards. He has almost nineteen hundred total yards from scrimmage, a boatload of touchdowns. Purdy doesn't need to do anything because teams are not worried about stopping Purdy necessarily. They're worried about stopping McCaffrey. Teams yeah, but- on the flip side for the Ravens are worried about stopping Lamar. They're not worried about stopping Gus yeah. Edwards, Justice okay. Hill. Or like he has a hundred and he has a hundred and eighty-two, a uh, hundred and uh, eight hundred and twenty-one rushing yards, which is what that's I'm half. saying. That's which that's is almost what, half. Well, I know. You which is what I'm saying is he is a de facto running back that has the ability to throw the ball. Like that's what it is. Like, uh, and you're I, it, you're discrediting it, it, someone's ability. Play. No, because what you're doing is they. I mean, I bet if we looked up Josh Allen, he's probably got similar numbers. I'm willing to bet because they do yeah, design runs for him too. And it's because the teams, like, you, for me, it feels like they can't rely on their offense, so then you need to rely on your quarterback when the plays break down to, to run the ball. That's what it feels like. You're not able to find your receivers in the open. They can't account for everybody, including you, so you take off running. And I think every mobile quarterback this year, not this year, but in, in these seasons, uh, benefit from the stupid slide tackling where nobody wants to hit a quarterback anymore. Nobody wants to hit a quarterback. Yep. You see it with Mahomes. You saw it with Josh Allen where he did that, like, move. You look like he was going to slide, and then he juke left, and he ended up running for a 55-yard touchdown. Nobody wants to hit him anymore. So the any quarterback who's going to run consistently is going to rack up yards because nobody wants to get within five yards of hitting them. Otherwise, you're giving up another 15 yards in a first down. So, I mean, it's... It's just tough. It feels to me like if you need to rely on your quarterback to run, you know your receivers aren't going to get open. You know you can't rely on Gus Edwards in this case to to keep the ball going. So you're just sending them all and knowing there's not enough coverage to cover you also, and you're fast. That's it. Pocket passers are like a, a diamonds in the rough. They they stand in there and they dish the ball out anywhere. They have a lot more longevity. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more successful down the road if they are good pocket passers. And I think it takes a little bit more talent to recognize the game in front of you and to dish the ball out or make the appropriate calls than just say, 
fuck it, I'm going to run it myself. Is that a great yeah. skill to have? A hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. I'm saying in the realm of MVP conversations and in the narrative that it's about building up the players around you is what makes you great is all I keep hearing. Lamar Jackson running for a thousand yards isn't building up the players around him. It's him going out and single handedly winning games because he can't rely on his offense to get separation or whatever the case may well, he be. Couldn't, he couldn't until this year, which I think is the interesting thing. A uh, quick note about Josh Allen. Um, third lowest uh, yards per uh, attempt or, or average rushing yards. Okay. 111 yeah. attempts in 17 games, 524 total yards, uh, 30-ish rush yards a game for 4.7 a clip. Longest okay. of 23, 15 touchdowns. Longest so of 23 is not accurate because he just ran a 55-yarder this weekend. So, Look, I'm just looking <laughs> at what the stat. This is why I say stats don't matter, right? But it, I, I, I have to look at the supporting cast. And I think this is where it comes down to me. I think the supporting cast for Brock Purdy in the, in the Niners, I think his limited um, primetime experience and lack of primetime wins, especially in a marquee uh, event against whom is the presumptive MVP candidate at that point in the season, like didn't do him any favors. So I don't think there's any voters that are going to go away from that. Plus, he's already an MVP winner. No one's going to give it to the guy who was the last pick overall in the draft. This isn't fucking Rudy. You know what I mean? Like this is it's not the way it's going to be. Like I, I feel we, like we can we can be dissing, we we cannot be happy about it. But like if Purdy goes out and wins the Super Bowl and gets Super Bowl MVP, to me that's worth more than a regular season MVP. Personally, yeah, it, it just feels so weird to say that because what we're 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 discounting his ability because he hasn't played for more than a year and a half. Like he has no control over that, right? He got in the league and had success. Immediately, it's like trying to apply for an entry level job, and then you need five years of experience before you'll be considered, right? <laughs> like it's someone comes in and they're a superstar. Why is their history in their prime time? And I don't know at what hours they played all of their games, but I'm I'm certain some of them were played, especially in the second half for of the sure. season. And, and so, they I won mean, some of them, but I'm, but you have they to, won most like, of them. You you have you have to use that matchup right on Christmas Day. You have to use that matchup as the delineator. If you're an unbiased uh, MVP voter, you have to say, yeah, two people. They're going against each other. If it was a 34-31 kind of game, cool. It could be a toss-up. You could maybe even put it, even if Brock lost. The fact that he came out meekly in that game, did, did that wrecked his MVP chance, like, right then. When Cam Newton went 15-1, and he lost that game the week that his kid was born, no one was like, he's not far and above the MVP. What he was doing in the league that year was so much that everyone took advantage, and they just said, we can't discredit what this person is doing and the knock against Lamar has always been he's just a running back who can throw the ball that's not really true like there is more that he like running and passing quarterbacks he does a lot more running than he does passing but it's not like the Cam Newton level like you know what I mean so like he's much better than people do want to give him credit for and if they're able to win that game against the Chiefs he's gonna have to throw because he can't just run at the Kansas City fearsome front all the, all all day. He can't do it. They won't they won't win the game that way. So you're going to have to throw to get out of it. Also, Cam Newton tried to run his way through a Super Bowl and that didn't work either. Like you have to pass the ball eventually. So I just I mean, you just can't hold it against him. I mean, he's got 7 games at least under 200 yards a game. He's he, Indianapolis 200 yards put passing. Two, 200 yards passing. He put 202 okay. yards up 
So, I mean, if we're talking about disappearing in prime time or not showing up or whatever narrative we want to say about one game for Brock Purdy, how many games was he just not there in the traditional quarterback sense? Like, okay, you're going to go out and game plan against running the ball every single time. How many, how long is that going to get you? Like, how long are you going to be able to play that way? I mean, it's, if we're going to say it, we're going to judge one yard or or one game and, and say that it's, that's, that's why that's crazy. Because if we looked at Lamar, he's had plenty of games in some of their wins and their losses where from a passing perspective, which is the quarterback's primary function, he wasn't there. He just wasn't there. Like, you had to rely on the, and I'm looking at his rushing, and he's had one, two games over 100 yards. That's it. Uh, 197, but but most of these are like 50 and below. Like, I would say he probably averages maybe 60 yards. So a couple, 100 and, uh, let's say, a couple of these games, 186 yards in the air. He had 27 yards on the ground. Like, is that showing up? Like, is that? Is that an MVP, MVP caliber game? If we go Do you back win the and game, that, and that Do was against the, the that was against the Browns, <laughs> who they, whom they split, whom they split the series with. That they struggled in the division this year. Can't um, Kansas City, San Francisco didn't struggle in the division this year for the most part. They mollywopped most of the division in the NFC West. They just kind of ran rampant through it. It was the division was pretty much over midway through the season. Um, and then again, for, I'm not taking, I'm not taking uh, away against Arizona. Look, Hold on, against Arizona, he had 157 yards and seventy and 17 yards of rushing. Like, how is that not considered disappearing? Like, that's 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 my point. Is they we seem to have game. we seem to have blinders on. There's, when there's no blinders. That it, it it it's it's broken down between the running no no back but, no now you're no you're moving the goalpost now because you're saying they won the, the game. Post. You're saying they won the game, but if we look down the list of what Brock Purdy's performance was the entire season, they won. Just the same amount of games, but we're not giving him any credit. Is the answer Absolutely there? Absolutely not. They won the game? You got to look at no. supporting cast, dude. The supporting cast that Lamar Jackson has is not prime OBJ. It's a it's a rookie wide receiver. It's Nelson Aguilar who's bounced around from team to team to team, and his okay. greatest call to fame thus far has been a guy in Philadelphia saying, we were throwing things out the window, we were catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> so, like, you can't, you, you can't just, like, give Purdy a pass because he has a... Like, I'm not. Brady, I'm not trying to give him a. I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm saying he. But you are trying to give him flowers, where I don't think. I'm saying he deserves that, that all the praise did. that he is getting because we keep finding reasons to excuse poor performances from everybody else. But him, we have to hold to a higher standard for some reason, even though we also just said he's doesn't have the the history behind him. So it's like, okay, can we give him credit, even though he's new in the league? We have to decide which one of those is is accurate. We either need to give him credit for what he's done, regardless of who's on the team, or we need to tear him down. We need to tear everybody else down when they're having bad games, but we're not. We're making excuses for everybody else while also tearing tearing it down. I didn't want to do this, but no other team who's been involved in the MVP conversation, to include Kansas City and the Baltimore Ravens, have remotely thought about, you're the starter unless Tom Brady's available. Like that bombshell report that came out from they the almost traded they almost traded Lamar Jackson. What are you talking they, about? They, like they, they were never going to trade Lamar Jackson. They were never going to do it. That that shit is bananas to me. That that they look at they look at Brock Purdy in the face and say, "Hey, hey, way to go, way to compete and get back from your UCL injury." But 
If Tom Brady's available, he's the starter, and you're not. Like, get the fuck out of here. You can't look at me with a straight face and say, you want to give this dude MVP credit or not when they were going to bring a 45-year-old quarterback, arguably yeah. the greatest quarterback of all time, but a guy on a downslope of his career to, to come in and, and lift that team to the next level because his injury was a liability at, the, at that high level. You just can't do it, dude. Like, I, I'll hear you about giving him praise and everything. You can't look at me straight in the face and be like, oh, he's done a lot of great things. He has been part of a lot of great things. He's not been the catalyst of a lot of great things. And I don't, but are, I, I don't understand how we can say he hasn't been though. That's bizarre. And they didn't, they didn't sign Tom Brady, obviously, who was available. Tom Brady said, was, and Lamar retired, Jackson, retired. and Lamar Jackson requested a trade from his team, saying they weren't recognizing his value. Okay, it didn't happen. The same way Tom Brady didn't go to the Niners, and here we are looking at the conference championship, and both of these teams are in here because they both won games respectively. One did it more in a traditional quarterback fashion. One did it as a running back who was able to throw the ball. That's there's no he's other not way. A running back, he doesn't he doesn't go often between the tackles. He's not the one that's just like we just we were just giving him praise because he has almost a thousand yards rushing. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm just saying he like we we got to we got to move away from from this. We got to move away. But I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying it's we keep making excuses it's, for it's just, everybody else. It's, it, that, that argument's going to work for you if he gets beaten by a pocket passer and Patrick Mahomes this weekend. I don't even know if I would call Patrick Mahomes a true pocket passer because that man oh, runs all over the place my too. God, the Bill Polian in you is coming out right now, man. I can't. You, you would you would say Patrick Mahomes is the same as like a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Eli, First Peyton all, Manning that they just stay in? No, you can't. Not even close. You, Rodgers and Mahomes are the closest to each other in the fact that Rodgers scrambles just the same way that Mahomes does, and that they both are have a cannon for an arm. Manning and Brady are very similar in that they'll run if they need to, but they ain't good at it. They're Clydesdales, uh, and they are true pocket passers. Mahomes, I'm, my argument is, is more of a pocket passer than Lamar is. So if that if that is your team, yes, one hundred percent. Oh, so uh, I, I would say yes. I, I would say he's more of a passer, but I don't know if I would ever classify him as a a pocket passer in any capacity. Oh, I, don't, I just I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, the pockets everywhere he is, as long as he's behind the line of scrimmage. All right. <laughs> So you're going, you're going, uh, you're going Ravens there. I'm going Chiefs. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's going to be because you know there's a a, a running back who can kind of throw the, the football sometime. That's how they're going to beat the the two time Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, we'll yeah. see about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get into like sometimes like the football gods they they give us like the most absolute shit during the season, and we're like, I don't want to see this. And then they give you this gem of a game, the San Francisco 49ers against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, who have not won playoff games since 1991 or 93, whatever it is, two two wins in a row, physical wins um, against the Rams and the Bucks and the Niners, who made good work out of their divisional round opponent. Um, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people want to give it credit for. Not for all of our Brock Purdy discourse, but because <laughs> Debo Samuel... With the shoulder injury, may not play. That team is a little bit behind. If they didn't have, I mean, if both McCaffrey and Debo were banged up, I think that'd be one thing. But there is something to be said about all of the failing draft grades that were given to the Lions when they went and did all the things that they did. But that team has shown at 12 and 5 this season that they are not to be fucked with. And this is going to be, I like, I believe this is going to be like a 24 21 kind of game. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think there's like whichever team has the ball last, 
I'm like, gets a clutch field goal or, or gets the go-ahead touchdown, like I think that's who's going to win the game. If you take a look at outright statistics, which don't matter, okay? Passing yards, Lions are second. The Niners are fourth. Rushing yards, Niners are third. Lions are fifth. Total yards per game, second and third. This is a fucking coin flip, dude. I know it doesn't sound like it, but like of all the shit that I just wanted to talk about Brock Purdy and like maybe not MVP nods, Jared Goff on the other side of the of the field from him, like went to Super Bowl, came up with an egg, didn't didn't really do a lot. I made fun of Jared Goff before. Like that this is a completely revamped team. The defense is ferocious. They got running backs unlike uh San Francisco that they can swap out with Jameer Gibbs, who can be explosive, and Montgomery who can pound it between the tackles. I want to give the edge to the San Francisco 49ers for their their wide receivers simply because they're gadget players and they can be like wide receivers and running backs at any point in time. Um, and the play calling is definitely in the favor of the 49ers. That being said, the Lions are going to scratch claw. Like they're, they're riding so high on emotion right now. A friend of mine uh, who's from Michigan went back to um, Detroit recently. He said, the, the city's buzzing, dude. It's just like nothing they've ever seen before. Mm. That kind of sports lore and history and desire and energy does translate to the field if you channel it right. And I think the person to channel it right is fucking Danimo Campbell. And <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go Lions here because I think if the Lions can beat the fucking 49ers, I think the Lions can win a Super Bowl. If they don't, it would be the most crushing <laughs> uh, loss either at this, at this level or the next level. But I think if you talk to Matt, avid listener of the podcast, any Detroit Lions fan, this the season was never supposed to be this great, but it is, and they are they realize they're playing with house money, and they're just going to ride this train until the conductor tells them to get off. I uh, I, I mean, I never even thought of it before this, but why isn't golf part of the uh, MVP conversation? He has just as many yards as Brock Purdy. I think and, honestly, it's it has probably with- more to do. It has more to do with the fact. I, and again, maybe narrative comes into it. Maybe it's like, like I said earlier, like we we buy in so much to what everyone tells us is the early odds uh, for whoever the MVP favorite's going to be, and we just we let it run away. But yeah. Goff has had a career resurrection. Like he, someone someone said this the other day. I saw in a clip. They said he was shipped to Detroit for his career to die. Yeah, he was back, like he's uh, back from the dead. He was a gimmick for the um, like payroll and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the salary cap, but like if we're talking about what he's been able to do and whether or not he's got a full team of all stars, which we we're going to discredit the Brock Purdy's of the world for. I mean, he had David Montgomery, which is one of the most solid running backs of the season. Thousand yards. Jamar Gibbs, just shy of forty-five yards. Yep, just shy. Uh, and then as you work your way down the list, you have like uh, Saint Brown. Like he's got. 1500 yards so i mean it's it's not like he didn't have his own weapons that are there but still why is he not part of the conversation either he came out he brought a team uh that was dog shit over the last three and 13 three and 13 and has turned them into in some circles a super bowl favorite right like i i'm gonna take the niners because i've been riding them since the start of the the season and they they haven't let me down <laughs> oh, you're riding those Niners, huh? Yeah, dude. I mean, it's in my mind, I think they are one of the most complete teams playing at a high level. Uh, and I think they're surprising people. 
every single week and we you know we don't have to dive back into it but uh if they lost to the the lions i wouldn't generally be upset i don't really have a, a dog in the race i just think uh the niners have a more complete team uh where a team like the lions you have to rely on like a big game from montgomery every week to or laporta uh, who is really, quickly becoming yeah you know travis kelsey light um mark yes. andrews light if you will and we didn't even talk about mark andrews that you know he's probably going to be back for this game, right? So I think that that might be a favor for the for the Ravens team. But I'm not going to change the pick. Um, interesting thing to note, okay? Um, defense leader in sacks for the Niners, Nick Boza, ten and a half. Aiden Hutchinson, eleven and a half. Interceptions, Kirby Joseph from the Lions, four. From the Niners, Charvarius Ward, five. Total tackles, Alex Anzalone from the Lions, 129. And Fred Warner, 132. That's why I'm saying this game feels like a fucking straight up coin flip to me, dude. Like, yeah. there, you are not going to see two more evenly matched teams that look wildly different on paper because one's 11 4, one's 12 and 5. And one was the number one seed, and one could have been the number two seed, but they got fucked by the refs because they said 70 reported as eligible, which Skipper didn't report as eligible. And you know what, Dan Campbell, listen to this. I know you're, you're probably not listening to the podcast, but if you don't do uh, an offensive lineman, you know, eligible run play in this game and fucking score a touchdown, the big man touchdown. What are you doing? Okay. Like the, the refs know what they should be looking for now. So like give the fans what they want, but th- this is going to be just two, two hammers bludgeoning each other. And I, 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 I have a very tough time picking against a team whose entire mantra is we're going to bite your kneecaps off or we're going to take you out to deep water and drown you. Yeah. Which is what Dan Campbell's stated <laughs> mantra for the team is. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean it's uh it is. The only thing I would say uh that gives the Niners, in my opinion, advantage is that the the Lions, while their defense has been great, it still floats around um the the lower quadrant, if you will. It's like the lower third, the twenty third and 27th in points allowed per game in defensive passing yards per game. And we just talked about how effective Brock Purdy is as a passer. So this is an area where, uh, unless Dan Campbell's going to come in and, and game plan specifically to shut down the pass, he's going to find ways to kind of pick them apart. Uh, but Goff was doing that the entire weekend, uh, last weekend. He was finding holes everywhere. So I imagine this is going to be a little bit of a back and forth. I just think that... Uh, that defense is going to be that glaring hole uh, in terms of the, the matchup between these two. And if Brock, Brock Purdy utilizes all the weapons that make all the game easy for him, then I think uh, they'll, they'll probably uh, make it a challenge for the Lions this weekend. So I am going to differ and go Niners. The, the difference thing, I think, here is the fact that if Jared Goff had not come from the NFC West and if Jared Goff had not played Kyle Shanahan over the last couple of years, yeah, I would be like, far and away, it's going to be Niners. Not just because I'm a Seahawks fan and I just hashtag fuck the Niners forever, but like just the fact that like you have a guy who's beat them before to go to the uh-huh. Super Bowl. He knows generally at the height of that team when they had um, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, uh, Nick Bosa, and they had like a fourth D end. It was just like crazy good. Like that was the year that they lost to the Chiefs, and like you kind of get it, right? Because you got a mobile quarterback. You were up 24 to 10, and you completely fell apart. Could be coaching, could be players, whatever it is. 
This doesn't necessarily feel like that. To, for whatever reason this year, it feels like the defense has really thinned. They're leaner. They're meaner. And the Niners have had a very, very good schedule to them. Um, opening up with four straight wins before going back-to-back-to-back losses. Going to the bye, and they come out of the bye. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six wins in a row before losing to Baltimore on Christmas Day. Doing a handy win on New Year's Eve um, against the Commanders. I was there for that. Um, losing a close game to the Rams uh, week 18. That was, again, the, the division C was already locked up, but still. Uh, and I will say that for a great majority of the game, Purdy looked lost. And Green Bay, I, I'm not saying the moment got too big for them, but I was pretty sure most of the time through, I'd say the beginning part of the middle of the third quarter to like the beginning part of the fourth quarter, I was like, yeah, the fucking pack's going to do this. I started like pretexting all my Niners fans, like just, I put them in draft. I never sent them. <laughs> like I started putting all the arguments I've been waiting to send all season. Yeah, guys are fucking trash. And then it didn't happen, right? You get to go ahead, touchdown. Um, could we just talk? Did, did you watch that Weird. game? Weird. You just shit talked that guy the whole time and then said, but they I'm, won I'm the still, game, I'm which is what, but what, what we just said about Lamar Jackson, when I said he had a shit game, you're like, no, but did they right. win? But oh, did they know, win? Do you know, Danny, do you know, play do you know, it back. Play it back. He said, <laughs> what did he say? You know, oh, you yeah, know that's right. Scored, did he win? Who, yeah. Who scored the go-ahead touchdown? Because it wasn't fucking Brock Purdy. It I'm just saying. Goddamn, it was goddamn Christian McCaffrey in which Mr. Simone Biles uh, from the, I almost called him the New England Packers, the, uh, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, just shoulder tackled, didn't even try and wrap up. Like, you're five yards out. Like, try and wrap up the guy and take him no, to the ground? I don't, I don't that's, know. That's modern-day football. They don't tackle anymore. Uh, they just try to hit. They business, put decision, arms in. business decision. Okay. Uh, <sighs> clearly, we are split. We are houses divided. We will see what will happen in the conference uh, championships. Tim, we got to talk. Since the last time we potted, dude, both of our coaches are no more. Mm, we uh-huh. we you have a new coach in uh, Gerard Mayo, which I think is fantastic. But eras came to an end, and not the Taylor Swift eras. I'm talking like, stop it. I know, but Pete was in Seattle for 14 seasons. Bill was in New England since the eighth day after God created man. Practically, our, our teams are going to look completely different next year. And there's a whole bunch in the coaching carousel that's like waiting to fall based off what Jim Harbaugh may or may not do. Um, there's a couple coaching moves that have already happened. There's still some really good candidates out there that can't interview because they're on teams that are in the postseason, like Ben Johnson, um, Slavik from uh, the Lions, the defensive and offensive coordinators from the Ravens. Uh, there's just so much movement. And then you got Pete and Bill, 72-year-old coaches, Super Bowl-winning coaches. Um, Belichick is rumored to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Which just proves that everyone from fucking New England goes south eventually. <laughs> uh, I was just I was reading right before we uh, hopped on that that seems to have uh, died out a little bit. It is kind of up in the air. So, so I mean, do we think that maybe it's just like it's it's just smoke and that they're just never going to coach again? Because if that is, I mean, I think we you know rest in peace to the greatest. I, I mean, arguably the greatest coach in modern NFL history in Bill Belichick, and then the greatest culture instigator in NFL history and, and Pete Carroll because everyone that has all these raw rock like coaches now or, or has fun at practice like Pete did that shit first and he, he he exists in separate contrast to Bill because Bill was all all, all ball all the time yeah. no fun um, 
But dude, like, how how are you going to go into next season? Like, Mac Jones is probably not going to be the quarterback. You got a new, brand new defensive-minded coach that learned under Bill, that played for Bill. You guys are probably going to get a, a top three pick, and uh, if you don't trade it away, you're going to take a quarterback. Your team's going to be drastically different next year. Like, who who is your ideal coach for the New England Patriots? I don't know, man. Uh, <clears throat> I'm at a little bit of a loss, kind of. I mean, it would. I thought for a little bit about what it would look like if someone like Pete Carroll came in and kind of mixed it up a little bit. And then when they went with Mayo, that was a little bit of a surprise to me, only because the caliber of team that New England has, you would think you would want to go after, or, sorry, history that New England has, you would think they'd want to go after, like, a veteran or somebody who could help maybe, at least in the short term, you know, maybe sign him to a short-term three, four-year contract and say, hey, listen, your job here is to set us up for the next generation of success by coaching up the coaches below you, putting together a solid coaching roster or, or whatever, building the team out, whatever. Uh, but then to take a former player turned to coach, it seems like uh, seems very much unlike the Patriots and... I'm a little worried that if they come out and take the same approach they have in the last few years, which is be super stingy, not open up your checkbook, not sign good players, not sign roster-driven generational players to try and continue to sort of scrape the bottom of the barrel and and turn nothing into magic. Uh, Now you're taking a, a rookie coach who doesn't have a lot of experience and putting them on a team that's in the development stage, I, mean, I feel like New England's going to have uh, very limited uh, patience when it comes to continued losing seasons. Uh, and I don't think they're setting up Mayo for success. Unless, I mean, we'll see what happens as the next season comes along and Maybe they open their eyes and their checkbooks and decide, all right, let's just start bolstering up a team. Let's bring in, I mean, I'd hate to see it, but let's bring in someone like Rodgers, who we know is tried and, and tested, or or <laughs> some veteran quarterback who can come in and, and you know help train up whoever it is that they draft. I'm sure Mac Jones will probably get transferred to another team, and uh, you know I hope he finds a, a good environment and comes out and has some kind of success. I could see him having a Baker Mayfield kind of story arc where he goes to another team, uh, maybe struggles a little bit, but a year or two from now really finds his footing, uh, which is another conversation we should have at some point is what we think of Baker Mayfield because oddly enough, I found myself pulling for him uh, towards the tail end of the season going into the latter portion of the playoffs. And I've been uh, pretty vocal about my, you know, uninterest in him over the last few years, but uh, yeah, I did find myself... Uh, More commercials than wins, Baker? Yeah. Yeah. We know, Tim. We know. Uh, I did find myself kind of rooting for him a little bit and kind of got a little bummed when he got bounced. I thought they were going to have... I mean, he should have had that, but that was a, that was an awful pick at the end of that game. Uh, I know you were just trying to make things happen. I did see afterwards that uh, there was some really bad clock management and that they could have gotten the ball back for a long field goal if they had, yeah. Uh, but in any event, that's that's a conversation for for another day. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I think I'm going to need to see what the Patriots look like next season in terms of what their roster is before I decide uh, who I'd want 
you know, holding the reins. I'm interested to see what Mayo's going to do. I worry he's a scapegoat uh, for a couple more rough seasons, and then they can move on and say, oh, it was an experiment that didn't, that didn't work. So. Yeah, it def- definitely could be. Um, I think one of the, the toughest things about moving on from Pete Carroll is you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't separate the bad from the good. There's a better execution in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and he's a two-time Super Bowl winner. Maybe they go back to a third. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Pete kept that ship together when it was splintered and players were were super in their feelings. And he kept it going for as long as he could. And there's new ownership, the untimely death of Paul Allen, and his sister took over. And there's now more of a a different voice in the the ownership uh, room, which is fine. Um, Pete's a fantastic coach. His book Win Forever is is a book I would recommend anyone read, whether you're you know coaching football or not. There's a lot of great life lessons in it. Pete was an excellent instiller of culture, and what he was able to do in the 14 seasons he was in Seattle as their head coach, like nothing short of astounding. Now, Tim, you may not agree with me, um, but like he's he's got bona fides. He's been in the league for a while. He can he he did it through the rise of social media, the rise of pre-NIL uh, in the college like sphere. So there's nothing really that he hasn't seen there. And I think it's kind of a, I, I do think it's a bit of a travesty that like he's just not going to be coaching next year in the league. Would I love to see B. Carroll on another team? Of course I would. But I'm just looking at like how many guys need a first crack at the apple and how they're probably, there's there's better arguments you can make for, for giving someone a first crack at a head coaching um, job than a retread, right? Which is what they call when you, when you have a, a fired football coach and then you, you give them a new thing. And it, it, the, the problem, Tim, is that like they didn't really fire him. They said, we've decided we're going to mutually part ways uh, and we're going to move him upstairs and he's going to be part of football operations and he's going to be an advisor to the team. It just, it sounded to me, I don't know if you, if you feel this way too, Tim, but it, it felt like, like when you have a grandparent that is like not able to live on their own and you move them in like upstairs, you're just sort of like, oh, we're going to we're gonna keep them upstairs. They're still going to make decisions, but like you're making the decisions for them. And I, I feel like they, they really did Pete Carroll no, no justice there. So uh, obviously he's going to continue to live in the Washington area. He's a Seahawks legend. He always will be. He's a USC legend. He's, he's beloved in Southern California. Um, his son is going to, you know, be in, in coaching and and get all kinds of opportunities, but I just don't think that there's necessarily like there's there's not anything I could walk away from this thing outside of the Super Bowl loss and say they're like, damn, I wish I wish we could have done something more. Like I felt like Pete was the best coach that Seattle could have had to go with John Schneider at the time, and it ran its course. They had a division of ideas on whom needed to. Do what? Obviously, the Russell Wilson divorce was was just full, full of divisiveness, and they they kept it together for as long as it did. And that's something that I wish a lot of other NFL coaches could do: keep it together. Obviously, we're going to compare, you know, compare and contrast Belichick and um, and Pete and Bill kept the ship together because he just refused to let anyone else pilot it. Whereas Pete kept the ship together because he involved everyone. We're not going to see two coaches on the far ends of the spectrum like that ever again at the same time because there's so much emphasis in the league 
on just trying to get coaches that all look like each other. Oh, do you had coffee with Sean McVay once? Oh, you're part of the Shanahan coaching tree? Oh, we'll hire you. You have one season of experience? Fuck it, we don't care. We'll hire you. And it's just like, there's a couple of college coaches that are now considered being retreads, like the guy from Stanford, David Shaw, excellent coach, by the way. And then Chip Kelly is rumored to come back and be like part of a package deal with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was, was the hottest coaching hire until the Packers thumped the Dallas Cowboys. And now everyone's like, ooh, I don't even know if Seattle should welcome him back. And it's just like, how can you replace Pete Carroll? How can you be the coach that replaces Pete Carroll or the coach that replaces Bill Belichick? You can't. Like, hmm. you, it is a losing battle. You might as well, you might as well just like you said, like give it a couple seasons and say, I tried. Right. right. But there's, there's so much that has changed just in the last couple of weeks, especially for those two franchises. Like, put a bookmark on it. Like, there's the Apple TV show that's going to come out in mid February about, Patriots dynasty. I'm going to watch every fucking episode. I hope that they do one for Seattle and the way that it stayed together and fell apart and came back together and fell apart again. I love that sort of stuff. I will always thank Pete for bringing a Super Bowl to the city of Seattle and allowing Russ <laughs> the most, in, like no other coach does this, but allowing Russ to change the, the play call and just be like, ah, you scored on this play before? Do it. Oh, you, you threw a pick to end the game? Ah, well, Sometimes that happens. Like Belichick's never letting that happen. Like Carroll is a is a one of one coach. No, 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 no. I disagree with that. He used to he used to be all the time. That's that's one of the things that um, argument wise made Tom Brady as good as he was. Is a lot of those plays he was calling from the line of scrimmage. A lot of those he was literally driving traffic. I think Eli, maybe not Eli Peyton, probably Eli. Rodgers, I'm sure there's plenty of quarterbacks out there who who are able to do that, and it surprised me every time you saw, um, and and I'm sure it wasn't early on in the in his career, but after they won, you know, had a one or two winning seasons, you kind of saw the brains for for Brady. I think he started letting him do it pretty early on, and start calling the plays with a lot of scrimmage. But uh, I mean, overall, <clears throat> I just don't know how you. Like, what is the team dynamic going to look like? Does Mayo continue to try and keep that Patriot way momentum going? Or does he sort of buy into what a lot of other teams are doing? I don't, I don't know that. I think there's the folks who like the Patriots way, really like the Patriots way. Um, it's a little telling, and I know some of it's the combo between, you know, arguably one of the best quarterbacks ever and one of the best coaches ever. And that combination was obviously a recipe for success. But... The Patriot way, quote unquote, ha- must have had some factor into why they had success for such long periods of time. Right? There were very little distractions. Uh, the ones that were distractions were literally out almost immediately um, by their own accord or by by team standards. So I don't know. It's it's. We'll have to see. I'm pulling for Mayo. Um, I've heard rumors that the Belichick son might still be floating around. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, you have to. You had to have seen the videos of him. Um, just being weird all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, <clears throat> I don't know. We'll I mean, I, I don't. I don't have a desired head coach for the Seattle Seahawks because Schneider, the uh, general manager is going to choose his own staff. Like Shane Waldron has already been hired out by the Bears. 
defensive staff is probably going to go find their own jobs. Like there'll be a lot of change that'll come. I'm still going to get the Sunday ticket next year. Uh, I'm still going to watch the Seahawks game. I'm still going to be a Seahawks fan. It's just going to be noticeably different. And there are going to yeah. be teams that if like, let's say for example, if Harbaugh goes to the Falcons, that team's going to be markedly different because the yeah. Chargers, like he's rumored to that team's going to be different. If Belichick decides he wants to keep coaching and he gets another NFL team, I don't know that he's going to do as good in the second, uh, second time around or third time as this would be. But I mean, I guess keep yeah. going. Like, I, I respect that, that Nick Saban was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. And there's a lot of like a lot of discussion about why he's done. Oh, maybe it's NIL. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe, I don't know, fucking being in, involved in the highest level of college football for the better part of two decades takes a toll on you. And you just yeah. wake up one day and you go, you know what? I ain't got it anymore. I don't have the ability to, to, to do the same thing every single day and bring the same intensity to it. And that's fine. Yeah, these are seventy-year-old men that are just like, you know what? I feel like I'm gonna retire, and we're like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, imagine there's a lot of well, stress on your. Imagine there's a lot of strain and stress on your family every NFL season when you, when you start that. Correct, up, but. and you're like, I'm gonna retire someday, and then that day doesn't come for twenty years, or another twenty years, or a third, yeah. almost twenty years. Because <laughs> people have been coaching since the beginning. <clears throat> I will say uh, it's very, uh, it's very strange, and I feel old now because all of the generational players that were stars of the league when I was growing up and became an adult who you know took a a more vested interest in the sport are all now retiring like Joe Flacco is like (laughs) the last bastion of our generation who's still kicking around you know what I mean like Aaron Rodgers obviously but he's batshit crazy now and and I don't know, tore his Achilles, but was going to come back, and then didn't come back, and who knows what what that situation is going to be like. So, um, but not only are the players moving on, but now the coaches are moving on, and that's even more strange because our era had such high caliber coaches and players that their longevity lasted for a decade or longer, and that's something that you don't see very often in uh, a, a league that's attention span is so short, like most. Most folks have like a three or four year tenure, and then you're. I mean, you saw it with Bill Belichick that twenty plus winning seasons, and he had three that uh, you know didn't quite live up to the hype, and boom, he's gone. Like, yep. That's all it takes. Forget the twenty two years or whatever it ended up being, whatever the exact number was. Uh, the last three seasons have been rough. Yeah, goodbye. That's wild to me. Uh, it, it, it is crazy because nowhere else in the league is there that much uh, consistency. Right, mm. people will they'll have one bad season, like the Panthers, for example. Yeah. David Tepper's been the owner for six years. He's on his sixth head coach. That shit is bananas. Yeah. It's like stability does does mean a lot for a team, and you need a yeah. head coach that can come in and like get the message across, and also scheme and do the X's and O's. And as we're seeing, it's not easy to do. Yeah. So like, it's got to be difficult for folks to to be a. I, I don't know. I, I hope that we don't have these these uh, two year teams and. Uh, get a new coach after that because that would suck. But maybe there's uh, maybe there's a great coordinator we just don't know about that in two years is going to be excellent. So maybe that'll help. And in my opinion, I think that has a lot to do with uh, why some quarterbacks who are drafted early struggle because there is no consistency at those levels. So uh, yeah. 
I just want to uh, say one thing yeah. before we end this episode of the Assassin Matter Podcast. You know, y'all are never winning a fucking Super Bowl again, right? I mean, like, ever. I mean, we've, like, the way, we've, like when Taylor Swift said, we are never, ever getting back together, like, ever. Yeah. You know, I never win another Super Bowl. Never. That's fine. Never. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, we've at least been to and lost Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl more recently than about every other That's team in, That's true. In, yeah. in the league. So we're due we're due for it. I said I was I was here for it. I was I was here for a uh a reset, but uh do not how funny would it be if smoke next year. You you need to pick some Patriots games next year and how actually funny it would right. it be if they somehow stuck with Jones, got him some real weapons which he hasn't had, and they suddenly come out and have a successful season. How crazy would that be? That would be absolutely crazy, but um, I, don't, I would not everyone, recommend that you run to the the, the DraftKings wire and put that as a future. <laughs> no, but it's the, uh, I think it would further drive the weird conversation about Belichick and his ability to coach, I think, more than anything. I think it was just, I don't know, we could, that's a, that's a topic for a whole, uh, a whole conversation for whole another, conversation. another podcast. But the, so. the common thread is, if Seth Wickersham writes about your team, it ain't going to end up well. <laughs> yeah. It just isn't. Guy's an incredible fucking writer, but the way he gets got plants everywhere. Like Aries, yeah. Ooh, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Stats America Podcast. All right, dude. As always, thanks for the love and support. Conference championship is on the way, and I look forward to you being wrong about a lot of the things. I look hmm. forward to calling the winner of the Super Bowl correctly because it's going right. to be the Detroit Lions. You heard it here first, bitch. All right, all right. I think if the Niners make it, it's the Niners. Well, obviously, because they would have beaten the Lions. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're gonna. Uh, I I have a a strong feeling it is going to be. You know, as much as I want to not credit any of the the weird conspiracy theory stuff, but I do think it is going to end up being the Niners and uh, the Jack in the Ravens, and I think the the I think the Niners going to take it. But I'm not. I would love I to see an upset. Ready. I'm not ready to accept uh, Brock Purdy Super Bowl champion. I will self-combust. <laughs> you will need to find a different podcast host for, for the next season. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right, buddy. Peace out, everybody. Peace.